Don't call it a comeback. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. The little chick she could do in one of those big envelopes and not a box. Because those. <laughs> This is the press box. Those big envelopes, you know, you can fit a lot in those big envelopes, like the puffy ones, and then they can expand. You throw a few chicks in there, they'd be okay, probably. With Grady and Bischoff. Stop trying to save money shipping your chickens in. <laughs> On ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, morning after history, you can't beat it. I know where this is going to go with Bischoff. Let's go, Jerry. The first bite. Were the Golden Knights too nice to Patrick Marlowe? Uh, okay, to one side of the ring for both of us, because I know where this is going when I saw this on the rundown. I don't even know if they were nice enough, Tyler. The history of last night, uh, what he did, comparing to Gordie Howe's record, how long the guys had to play, I thought it was a wonderful night. Wonderful night of history and remembering and, and uh, honoring someone who's done something that no one ever thought would be done or broken, so... I'll leave it over to you because I'm sure you didn't like one second of it. What the hell was that? <laughs> Just, here we go. They stopped the game uh, for like yes, 10 yes. minutes so we could watch a Gary Bettman useless video that said nothing. Uh, and then, But he wasn't booed. He wasn't booed. That was a big and deal. Then, and then after the game, the entire team shakes his hand and then sticks yes. around to tap yes. their sticks on the ice yes. to clap for him. What was yeah, that? You're, dar- you're darn right they did. It was well-deserved by Patrick Marlowe, 41 years old, out there still playing in the NHL. Now, it's not Gordie Howe. That, that guy played till he's 51 and then actually started some other professional league at 61 for, for a one-day contract. So that guy wasn't even human. But for the humans out there... Uh, that's pretty cool that he's the all-time leader in, in games now. I like the, the, this. This was a layup that we'd be on opposite sides here. You didn't like this uh, that they would actually treat a guy like that's much less a rival. There has been one constant in the last three years of Golden Knights hockey, and that is that they hate the San Jose Sharks. And every they time a, they play the Sharks, it's phenomenal. But they need last a night, mascot? what was that? What was what was that? <laughs> What, who who's cheering for their rival multiple times? Like what? We got guys yes. shaking hands with them before they yes. start the game. Like what in the yes. hell was that? God, it was a great night. Great night of hockey. I, and, uh, listen to see that. I great. thought they were gonna like take a dive and give him a free goal at some point during the game because of how nice they were being yeah. to Patrick Marlowe. Who we cares if Patrick Marlowe? Why are you happy that Patrick Marlowe broke a record? He plays for the other had. team. He never played yeah. for you. It's not like he was back in Pittsburgh to do this. No respect for the game. You got to respect for the history of the game. And no, I will not respect yes, my no. elders. Well, of course, you, people, I don't know what you respect. Old people respect. do not need to be respected. Yeah, I, respect, is, I respect Corsi. Oh, no. The weirdness. <laughs> I, the weirdness right now. I knew this was going to happen. We're opposite sides. I thought it was I thought it was cool. I did. I mean, it's a – look, there's uh, – there's weird records in sports, and I mean, obviously, you have to play a really long time to do what he did. But I had no idea um, that Gordy Howe's. I mean, I knew he played forever, um, so obviously, you get a lot of games. 
Um, but I thought it was pretty cool. Again, Batman was not booed. That was history in itself. I was like shocked at that. It, but they, they started Batman's video so fast. I don't think people realized it. And then like two <laughs> seconds in, you're like, I can't boo this guy. Cause then Marlowe will think we're booing him. Um, which you would have preferred, I'm sure. Uh, so you would have preferred the guy skating around and just people chucking stuff at him and booing. That would have been way better. Are you kidding oh, me? no. Make it no, difficult. No, no. And listen, no. if it, here, here's the thing. If it's such a hard record to play in so many NHL games, then make it hard on the guy to play in the one that actually breaks the record. Why, by booing him? Yeah, by booing him, by throwing stuff at him. Well, don't throw no. stuff at him, but yes. Don't throw make stuff. Make it hard. Make it hard. Let's, well, and, like, you know, the Golden Knights stepping up, giving the family it's their own suite, treating them well. His wife this morning talking on Twitter about what an incredible organization the Golden Knights are and how they treated them so well, her and her sons and the family. And uh, I just, just, just wonderful memories. You're not there often, uh, but I have to believe, let's see, there was probably, I want to say, 20 people in the, in the press box along the row, and then the TV, uh, TV portion of it is up top in the lounge there. Okay, let me ask you this. I, I was writing between periods. I was writing Marlowe, so I didn't go up there. But the media went up to take a picture to kind of commemorate that they were there when he broke the record. Would you have participated? Uh, maybe under the under peer pressure. I might have <laughs> I might have been dragged up there under peer pressure. But I, it would not have been it would not have been willingly. That's take all a we have to do. Media. <laughs> you would not have got up. Not not willingly. There might have been some peer pressure of, yeah, let's go. And I look down, and it's just Ed st- sitting there typing no, no. away, and nobody no, there else was one, there. There's one other media member. He was also working furiously, Benjamin Goats. Uh, no. He was working He was see, working furiously. See, this is what I'm talking about. The RJ, the RJ is anti-Patrick Marlowe. The two guys <laughs> left in the press box are, are both from the RJ. So this, this is what I'm talking about. You no, guys too hard working, yeah, too hard working chaps. There, we were working hard. We were writing, writing a lot. We we, we had to write. We had to work. Can I deadline me? Listen, after the game, all we hear about is how classy the Golden Knights fans are. I don't want to hear that. One time when this team lost to the Sharks in the playoffs, Golden Knights fans threw crap on the ice. You guys aren't classy. We don't need to cheer for Patrick Marlowe. You guys do not like the Sharks, and you shouldn't like Patrick Marlowe just because he's breaking an old record. Not even it's uh, not even like a it's not even like a it's not like you watch Barry Bonds hit the most home runs in history or something like that. Like he just played in a game. He just played a lot. Like yeah, it's impressive, not, but not to the point where give, you well, do you not give credit to longevity in certain records? I mean, listen, I'm not saying Patrick Marlowe doesn't deserve to like have the record broken or he t- you know, he changed jerseys at the end of his first shift to send it off to the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying the record's not legitimate i'm just saying as a if you're a fan of the other team why the hell do you care that patrick marlowe has played the most games in nhl history i don't know i thought it was cool that was cool wrote about it uh i think yeah wrote i think it's a cool record i think when you cover sports you know and something happens that is historic you remember it and uh there was a you know there's a tweet yesterday like Name the one sporting event or historic sporting event you've been at that you won't forget. I, this isn't mine. I've done others that I think are that were cooler, but I thought uh, I, I thought it was good. I mean, again, I, I, I knew which side we were going on. We're going opposite ends of the corner on this. Uh, there's no way you were going to accept that this should happen. So uh, this is not a surprise that we're on opposite sides. Uh, that is the least fun Golden Knights Sharks game of the last three years. And it was a great actual game, but it was the least fun because they had to stop and clap 
for a guy on the other team just because yes. he's old. All right. More importantly, from the game itself, Robin Leonard won a shootout. Yeah. He's been in yeah. net for three shootouts this year, and somehow he's been in net for all three of the Golden Knights shootouts this year. Flurry started like every game for like two months, was never in a shootout. So Leonard has been in all three shootouts. He had lost the first two. He finally won one last night, and he stopped all three of them. It was phenomenal. To give you a little bit of background, Leonard in shootouts has won nine of them in his career. He's lost 25. His save percentage in shootouts is .510. The NHL average is around .667 or so. So he is brutal in shootouts. And that meant we got this lovely exchange from Justin Emerson and Robin Leonard last night. Robin, it was a pretty exciting three-on-three, and then it goes to the shootout. I'm curious kind of what you think about the shootout in general, whether that you kind of like the format or if you think that there should be more extended three-on-three or basically how overtime would go if you have the choice. You think I like the shootout? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. Robin, thanks for the time. Thank you. I I love the Robin. Thanks for the time. I'd like to. The best part of that is a Robin. Thanks for the time. Like, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think you know the question. The question is a good question. Like, he's been so bad. I think you ask him. Hey, you know, he's not. He's a professional athlete, so I don't think he's going to respond with, "I'd rather not do it." I mean, you're never going to say that as a pro athlete. I mean, even if you've been terrible at it, which he has been, at least statistically has been. Um, so you know, but also. You know, if you're counting on your hand, anyone in that room who's going to give kind of a snarky response, he's going to make the top five every time. So that's not a surprise either. But the question's fine. I mean, you know, he hasn't been any good at it. I mean, if you ask a guy who has a 25 and nine record instead of nine and 20, probably like, yeah, I love it. Why wouldn't I? Oh, the the fact that he won a shootout. Here's the thing that happened last night. Before their little stay on the ice clap for Patrick Marlowe crap at the end. The Golden Knights bench celebrated that win for Leonard more than they usually celebrate a win because everybody on the bench knew Robin Leonard's no good in shootouts, and he won one. And not only did he win one, he won one by stopping all three shots. Like, that's what they should be celebrating. They should have stayed on the ice for 10 minutes afterwards to celebrate Robin Leonard finally Uh, winning a shootout. That's what they should have celebrated. They had to get in line to shake the guy's hand. Go down the line. Nice of him to stop it. Nice of him to stop at Fleury. You know, the two... uh, the two um, great ones in that game in terms of history, and he had a nice chat with Flurry, and that yeah, was just it was it was emotional night, Tyler. It was an emotional, emotional. night. I'm sure you'd have, I'd have been there. I'm sure you would have been there sobbing. I would have been booing from the press box. I would have gotten ejected. <laughs> they they make the uh, they tell you not to uh, cheer or clap in the press box. Does that cover right. booing as well? That does. I did not. Uh, I <laughs> I heard I heard neither. Let's leave it at that. I heard neither. I did I did see a lot of. Uh, like happy, uh, happy members. But I, again, I thought it was pretty cool. And he broke a record that, again, I, I mean, at least hockey people say they never thought would be broken. You have to play a long time. And uh, I mean, think about it. He started at 19. He's 41. That's a long time. I saw something this morning. Um, you know, I think Greg Wyshynski tweeted, um, you know, it's not, you know, to take a shot because he hasn't played well this year. Because that's what people are going to do. Like, well, that's what people think about longevity. They're more like, well, but if you're not good anymore, it's just playing a lot of years. That's why I asked you, like, you know, how, where you put in context longevity comparative to, you know, I don't know, Brady with all those rings. And it's like, okay, that guy can keep playing. He's still winning Super Bowls. So it really doesn't matter. 
Yeah, no, he, it, listen, that's fine. He's, it's not like he's incompetent out there. It's not like right. every team, Pat, every time Patrick Marlowe's on the ice, they give up a goal. Like, he's fine. Like, he's like, the Sharks are bad. So it's not like he's helping make them a winner, but he's demonstrably fine. So I, it's like, if you ranked him up, there's going to be worse players in the NHL than Patrick Marlowe this year. So it's not like he's stealing a spot or stealing a paycheck away from somebody right, that might right, be more deserving. Right. Like, it, He's fine. So, like, I, I have no problem with them breaking the record. I have no problem with it being a record. And I have no problem with people celebrating it's the record. Just Golden Knights fans and the Golden Knights themselves spending, like, ten minutes two separate times giving the guy a standing ovation. We don't need that. It's a rivalry. Yeah. It's like, like, in the game, Robin Leonard's, like, fighting with somebody in the corner at the end of the period. Braden McNabb almost ended Logan Couture's life. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here for... Yeah, let's clap for Patrick Marlowe because he played a lot, and one of them, the the one that broke the record, just happened to be against us. I don't need class in my sports. That's the most overrated thing is people saying we need classy sports. No, we don't. It's sports. It's supposed to be stupid entertainment where people compete to do something dumb like put a puck in the net. We don't need to clap for some other guy on the other team. Boy, I'm glad you're not open to change. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> You stay straight on the same line for everything. Completely bitter about life. Like a Matt. Le- okay, imagine if it was like an actual like, hey, he's good record, where like he broke the goals scored record or something like that. Like Robin Leonard gives up the goal. We're gonna Robin Leonard gonna go shake his hand and say, I'm glad I could be the one to give it up. <laughs> like what the hell is that? What does the helmet? Yeah, Tap like the, helmet. the guy who gave up Barry Bonds' uh, record-setting home run. Did he like go shake his hand at home plate and say, "Thanks, man. I'm uh, glad I could be here for it." Well, I'm not. I'm not crazy enough to say that maybe afterwards, uh, under the uh, tunnel there, he didn't get a picture. I would. That, that, oh, if you, I have no idea. But I have no idea about that. But if you told me that happened, I wouldn't be surprised. Like if you oh, said Lord. that guy met up afterwards, congratulated him, have a picture. Like I don't know that happened. I have no idea. But. I would not be surprised. All right. Coming people up don't, next. People don't consider this the greatest thing in the world, Tyler. There's more important things in life. Coming up next, the Raiders. They finally signed a quarterback. Dealt with adversity throughout his career and always seemed to come on come on top and uh, be the better from it. And uh, someone that he's dealt with different coaches, he's dealt with different systems, and, he, and he's always had success. And then, obviously, with the injury that he had, uh, to be able to come back and lead his team into the playoffs, it shows the type of man that he is, the type of team player that he is, and and uh, I'm just grateful for the time that I had with him that, that really developed me to be the quarterback that I am today. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. By the way, Papa Lou on Twitter, I rarely agree with ranting Tyler Bischoff, but I'm with him on this. Who the hell cares about any shark? That's right. Who cares about a shark? You shouldn't. You shouldn't care about Patrick Marlowe. Okay. The Raiders signed a quarterback. You think Rasul Douglas is going to fix the secondary for the Raiders, Ed? Uh-oh. Not good. <laughs> Jared, is Ed muted? Yes, he is. I can oh, see it on my screen. Spectacular. So, um, uh, he, what, was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles and um, no longer plays with them before his first contract was up. Is that the guy that we're talking about? Yes, and the Raiders the Raiders do that a lot with players though that they draft in the first in the well in any round honestly. They don't make it beyond but one game one or one contract with them. I have a follow-up question. 
if he was on the Raiders, would have he been the best cornerback by pro football focus? He would have been. Okay. So last That's, year. that He feels like a Raider already. Yeah. So last year, Rasul Douglas, uh, he started 11 games for the Panthers. Uh, but he ranked 64th by pro football focus last season. No one for the Raiders, at least their cornerbacks, ranked uh, above 80th. Hey, Ed, can you hear us? Hello? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, this is not Hello? good. Um, hey, Jer- yes, text Ed and tell him to disconnect and reconnect. Hello? So, Rasul Douglas was 64th best cornerback in football Hello? last year by Pro Football Focus. Nobody for the Raiders was better than 80th. Doesn't mean he's good, right? It doesn't mean he's a good cornerback, but he's better than anybody the Raiders Hello? had last season. And this comes down to the same conversation that we've had in the past. The Raiders don't have star players on Not defense. Either. So when you take a player from another team and ask them to elevate their role, they're not as good. We saw it with Corey Littleton. Uh, we're seeing, we saw it with LaMarcus Joyner, right? Guys who had good seasons come to the Raiders. All of a sudden, they're the best player yep. on the defense, and they're not any good. Ed, disconnect! Either. Ed, check your phone! You're sending us messages. Yes, we Hello. hear you. Disconnect. So it's going to be tough for Rasul Douglas to make any sort of difference. Like, that's going to be the problem. So I don't know what the I don't know what the Raiders are actually going to expect from Rasul Douglas, because that's the other part of this. Is he going to be a starter? Because they have Damon Arnett, they have Trayvon Mullen, they seem committed to to playing the young guys at cornerback. Um, so is Rasul Douglas actually going to start, or are they bringing him in simply to be backups to the starting cornerback? So I don't have much of an issue with the signing. He's better than what they have. My concern is that this is going to be all they do, and it's not actually going to improve anything, that they're just going to sit back and say, hey, we signed Carl Joseph, and we signed Rasul Douglas, and we'll call it a day. And now my dogs are howling in the background as this segment is going extremely well this morning. Okay, Ed has reconnected. Can he hear us? Oh, the joys of doing this from home. My goodness. Okay, I still don't know if that's an affirmative that he can hear us. I can hear you, Okay. Yes. Tyler, <laughs> can you hear Ed? I, I've been able to hear Ed this All whole time. Right. Yeah, ah. you guys have like five minutes. I'm hot! Good work. All right, Ed. I just yeah. talked about Rasul Douglas for five minutes. So, Rasul Douglas, is yeah, he fixing so the Raiders' secondary? Uh, I don't know if he's fixing their secondary, but uh might be a little competition now that they need over on that side of the ball, right? I mean, talked all uh, offseason about, you know, what they need at free safety and Gus Bradley and who can play his scheme and all that. So, maybe, you know, all of a sudden guys at that side of the ball kind of perk up a little and realize someone's coming in that can take their job. Yeah, and so that's my question is, is Rasul Douglas coming in to start over Damon Arnett or Trayvon Mullen, or is Rasul Douglas coming in to be a backup, or are they bringing him in to, hey, have a competition? Because the Raiders seem committed to the young guys they have in their secondary, regardless of how poorly they play, so I'm curious if Rasul Douglas is a guy that they view as a starter, or if they've signed a guy intentionally that wasn't good at cornerback so they could still start their young guys. Well, at the least of what you just said, it better be competition. I mean, he's you know he's, he started eleven games last year. I mean, he, you know he's 
he's got you know he's got some accomplishments in the league. It, it better be competition. Um, well, I hope they're I'll not just coming bringing him in and saying, "Hey, you know, you're going to be the third guy of three here." Well, I'll give you the the example from last year. They signed what did they sign? Eli Apple and Prince Amukamara at some point in the off season. At some and point, neither one of them made it. Neither one of them yeah. made it onto the to the opening day roster. They went with Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett. That was their decision. So I don't know if it's fair to assume Rasul Douglas is even going to make the roster because last year they did this. They signed guys that had more experience. They signed more veteran cornerbacks and they cut him because they, they, they thought Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett were good and they, they weren't very good at all. Well, two things now he's a Super Bowl champion, but he did not go to Clemson. So I think they liked the first part. I don't know if they liked the second part. I don't know. Like I said, 11 game starts last year. He's won at the highest level in terms of that league. I would hope, I would hope at least because, okay, let's take Russell Douglas out of it. Is Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen good enough? Like, have they been good? Certainly not Damon Arnett. I think Trayvon Mullen's pretty good. I think he's improved his over, over his two seasons. I, I think he's at, you know, on the right trajectory. But how can they be honest? As much as these guys don't like to admit mistakes in drafts and don't like to mis- make mistakes or, or admit mistakes that they missed on guys, how can they actually look at film last year and say, okay, a guy who's won a Super Bowl and started 11 games last year, he shouldn't be competing with Trey, with Damon Arnett. I don't know how you would do that. Yeah, no, neither, neither one is good enough. Neither one was in the top 80 by pro football focus last year. There's no, there is nothing Trayvon Mullen or Damon Arnett did last season that makes you sit back and say, oh, yeah, we're good at that position. Absolutely nothing. But that's exactly what the Raiders did this offseason. They did not bring in a cornerback until now, and it's Rasul Douglas who's going to be on a cheap contract who – played for a bad secondary last season. Like, it's not like that. Like, they didn't really go out and say, hey, we need to improve our cornerbacks. That's not what they did. They, they signed a guy who might be better, should be better. But they, it's, it's, to me, it's the weirdest thing about the offseason is that the Raiders watched all of last season and decided that Jonathan Abram, Damon Arnett, and Trayvon Mullen were good enough when they, they right. clearly weren't. They clearly were not good enough last year. But the Raiders went into this offseason and they basically said, those guys are good enough for us. I wonder if Arnett was so bad that Mullen looked, you know, better than he was. Because <laughs> I actually thought Trayvon Mullen had some good games. Like I know what you, I know what you're saying in terms of Pro Football Focus and their rankings, but it just seemed like he. And again, he was he had been in the league in uh, you know a year or more. But so I get that. Um, but I just thought Damon Arnett was had such a difficult year that I'm sure they're not. Look, they haven't given up on him. There's no way he's too you know he's too young, and they drafted him where they drafted him. So I'm sure they have still in their own minds think he's going to be a lot better and he'll be fine. Uh, but it, you can't just be bringing in Rasul Douglas for like practice fodder. I mean, you have to bring him in now, given what, you know, where he's been and what he's done and say, okay, you can compete. I hope they're open-minded about it. Let's put it that way. Like, I hope they're open-minded if they're going to sign someone like this, that when they bring him in, he gets a legitimate look. And if he gets beat out, he gets beat out. I'm not saying hand him anything, but I am saying that they are so bad at that position right now this guy should get a long look. And then they cut him before August even gets here, and we're sitting here saying, uh-oh, it's Damon Arnett. Uh, it's Damon Arnett again. Try, well, try, trying to play 16 games. Damon Arnett didn't quite make it healthy <laughs> through through 16 games last year, but trying. Now, sidebar here, because this is absolutely hilarious if it was true, because obviously, I think, I, you know, what a shock. We're at home and things are uh, going haywire. Um, did you hear me saying hello and you were yelling at me to disconnect? Yes, I was. That's oh, that's absolutely awesome. Because I'm getting texts from yes. people saying that, which is absolutely hilarious. Yes. It's almost it, more hilarious as your take on Patrick Marlowe. 
that I obviously you would hate it. Um, it that genuinely was awesome. might be my favorite thing we've done in the last couple of weeks. Is can we time. use that? It was it taped? I, I hope we can use it. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've used oh, it before, awesome. haven't we? That's awesome. That's awesome. Are you guys what? there? That was my favorite. Yeah, well, well, I gotta. I, it, it's a reminder to be real careful when I'm yelling at you. What I'd say. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, Bill Connolly joins the show to talk some college football and some soccer. Yeah. So I mean, you guys know what I feel about him. He, he's just a heck of a person. Had a great career. Played a number so many years here with with different teams, and everywhere he went, he made them better. I texted him a while back. I, if he gets in a coach, and I get first dibs on him. So, which I doubt he will, but it, it's, uh, uh, if he decides to go that route, he would be a guy that you'd love to have on your staff, but he, he's really, he's special, special person. Uh, go down as one of my all time favorites there. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN, Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from ESPN is Bill Connolly. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C. Bill, how are you this morning? Hey, Bill. I'm good. How are you? We are good. So I actually want to go back to something you wrote earlier this year, uh, the top 60 quarterbacks since 2000. And I'm just curious, which fan base was the most mad at you after you wrote that? Um, well, the good thing about a piece like that is that everybody gets mad. Um, <laughs> even even Oklahoma. Oklahoma had like seven quarterbacks on the list or something crazy, but they got mad that Landry Jones was too high because nobody there uh, for whatever reason nobody liked Landry Jones. So, yeah, it, it was it was kind of the perfectly it, it was perfect internet napalm for the most part. I do think. Um, let's see. I, I, well, I mean, you had the basics. You had people mad about Tebow being. Only fourth. You had people mad about Tebow being fourth instead of, you know, he was overrated and underrated and all that. I think Alabama fans were a little mad uh, that A.J. McCarron didn't make the list. But, yeah, no, it was perfect. Everybody was mad. It was great. Is there a fan base that has no business being angry all the time but is? (laughs) Well, I mean, start with Alabama. (laughs) They they figured out a way to to be cranky a good portion of the time despite winning every other national title. So, uh, there, there is certainly, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting interacting with them. But really, for me, it, it's kind of fun because you know, with my SP Plus rankings, it, it produces a different set of mad fan bases each year, and, and different fans get to, to either say that uh, analytics are the greatest thing in the world, or analytics are stupid, and, and my, uh, you know, my my algorithm needs work. So uh, I, I get, to, I, I've gotten to a nice variety through the years. Uh, of different fan bases. I guess. I guess what I mean is, if you know, if you get, hey, your rankings are this and that, and we hate them. Signed, Joe from UNLV. Like fans, like <laughs> from programs that really hasn't done anything in forever. But you're like, why is this guy tied? Why is this guy writing me? No, that's that's good too. Um, I, I do get <laughs> random uh, disrespect claims from from yeah, we'll we'll say teams. <laughs> that haven't necessarily earned the respect to be disrespected <laughs> from, I guess. But, no, I, you know, if we're, if we're talking about Western teams, uh, uh, the, the chip on the shoulder of all Utah fans is, is frankly, like, admirable. It's, it's remarkable <laughs> how they've managed to keep that thing in place as they've won more, as they've earned more respect. So I do appreciate just how um, many different ways that Utah fans figure out how to be mad about things. 
Uh, Bill, I, I do have a question for you. So you you create SP plus. It's a it's an efficiency metric for college football teams. For those of you that aren't aware, um, are when you look at college basketball and how ingrained Ken Palm has become in college basketball, are you <laughs> mad you didn't name it like Bill Con or something like that, so you'd get the name <laughs> recognition? Man, I, I should have either done that or done the you know the baseball thing and named it after my former like my favorite player when I was seven or something. That seems to be how most of these things work. Is either so I, it needed to either be Bill Con or the Jamel Holloway system or something to that effect. So yeah, I kind of missed the boat on that one. I actually made it literal in that the S originally stood for success rate efficiency measure and the P stood for points per play. My first explosiveness measure shouldn't have nearly been that literal. I should have done what everybody else did. Bill, I want to ask you, because uh, they're going back and forth, and I'm sure you've graded both of them out or all of these guys out uh, over the course of their career because people can't seem to, you know, follow through or, or understand where Mac Jones might go, you know, from third, and now you see him in the teens. Um, you know, where, you know, at three, if you're first going, you have Justin Fields or, that, or, or the other choice. What, where do you go? Like, what, where, why is there such a decision here at three with the Niners? It is, I mean, the domino effect associated with them and the fact that nobody quite seems to know what they're thinking. Like, we, we know, obviously, what, what Jacksonville is thinking. We seem to know what the Jets are thinking, though I'm not, completely, I'm not completely sold about that, but we're pretty sure it seems. But, yeah, nobody seems to know with the Niners, and, and that makes it uh, kind of a linchpin for a lot of things that follow. But, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a piece last week for, at, at ESPN about just the fact that, like, as much as we talk about the value of, of prospects, who's better and whatnot, really comes down to which organization is going to actually support their prospects, give them what they need, build an offense around them or whatnot. I use Josh Allen as an obvious example uh, with the Bills, but it does seem like the Niners of those top teams, they're kind of the most likely. They have the best history, and, and you know, Shanahan, you know, we, we can debate how much of his reputation is earned at this point, but it's still he's won games there. He's got... Uh, at least a reasonably solid system, and whoever gets drafted there is probably more likely to succeed there than whoever goes to save the Jets. And so it does make it kind of interesting in that regard. All that said, if if Justin Fields was on the board, I'm picking Justin Fields. Like, I I don't understand how his stock has taken the hits that it's taken. It's really strange to me uh, that it's gotten this far, but, I mean, here we are. I pick him at number two, honestly. So to, to take it to our team here with UNLV, uh, you had your Mountain West preview out earlier. I believe you had them favored to win one game. They went 0 for last year. How many do you think they'll actually win this season in Marcus Arroyo's second year? Yeah, they've got some toss-ups. They're, they are a 51% win probability against Utah State, but Utah State's kind of a, a giant mystery with the coaching change and the uh, number of transfers he's brought in. So that could... They could be a candidate to overachieve, which would be bad for UNLV, I guess. There are other toss-ups there. They're, they're slight underdogs in terms of SP Plus projections. Slight underdogs against New Mexico, but there's nothing unbeatable about New Mexico. They're slight underdogs actually projected uh, with, with Eastern Washington in the season opener, which isn't good, but that's still obviously a winnable game. I think, you know, I, I, we're still... With UNLV, with the situation that was inherited there and, the, and the, the youth movement that he tried to undertake, you know, played some different quarterbacks, you know, played some different quarterbacks this year, had a freshman leading receiver and all that other stuff. I do think, like, yes, you'd like to win a couple games, but the main goal here is just to actually be able to, to project the future, figure out which quarterback is going to lead you in 2022, um, and just try to figure out, like, here, here's, 
here's the path we're taking. And they're not to the point where they can really worry about too many wins yet, but they can at least start figuring out, here's what our next good team is going to look like. You know, it almost becomes, it was funny, we tweeted something out yesterday of uh, every new college basketball coach saying win the right way, and there were like 100 of these guys saying the exact same thing. And I think the same kind of thing happens sometimes in college football. It's like, oh, the new guy says, well, we, we need a new culture. we got to build a new culture. Like, you'd have 100 guys saying yeah. that. And it's almost like they don't even know what they're saying anymore. They're supposed to say it. When you get a program like UNLV, though, that hasn't won forever, like, is it culture? It just that's hard to believe that that's the only thing that's wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's always going to be more – yeah, culture encompasses so many different things, but it's a nice right. way of, of describing lots of things at once. And I've, I've tried through the years to, to figure out, like, how would I define it? Like, what's something tangible that I can apply to culture? And for me, I, I wrote a piece about Boise State. I went up to Boise for a few days a few years ago and talked to a bunch of the guys that were there in the early 2000s. That program was coming together, and, and I came up with my own tight definition of, of, of culture, and it's basically – where the upperclassmen have, have, seen how, have seen how you go about winning games. They're able to serve as you know, assistant coaches when the coaches aren't around. They're able to set the standard for the, the younger players, and those younger players see it. They uphold the culture, et cetera, et cetera. It requires that first class to actually win something, though, to, to really okay. get going. And, and so that's why you see so many programs from UNLV to like Florida State now. Where you, you mm-hmm. just you just seem to be spinning your wheels, no matter whether you have good recruits or whatever the situation is, you end up spinning your wheels because coach the players aren't completely bought in because they don't know what they're be, if what they're being sold is real, and uh, they don't win, they don't get that proof of concept, and it just kind of bleeds over. So in this case with UNLV, you kind of there is merit to that idea, even if it's. You know, even if it's, we use a word that we use for a thousand different uh, other definitions too. Yeah, uh, Bill, I did. I did want to get your thoughts uh, in the soccer world because I know you do a lot of uh, <laughs> new stuff there for soccer. Uh, the European Super League is it as bad as everybody on the internet thinks it is? Well, it's bad. I mean, it's it's Americanized in a way that you know, even a lot of American soccer fans who have taken a liking to European. Didn't want this. Didn't you know? They they liked that it was different from that, uh, and it reeks of you know. You can't even say it's the best clubs in the world wanting to play each other nonstop because you're including Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur uh, and AC Milan, who none of them are even close to the best clubs in the world. So it is bad. I, I think it's one of those bad things where if it gets off the ground, and there's no there's no guarantee that it will yet. There are still a lot of hurdles to clear here. If it gets off the ground 10 years from now, we probably don't even – it's just part of the landscape. We don't even think about it anymore. Because, uh, I mean, you go back to see what a lot of people were saying about the Premier League 30 years ago. It was going to end football and whatnot. <laughs> didn't. Um, so it, it will probably come to accept it or at least just you know a- acknowledge it through the years. But it's, it's a big lurch in the way that it selects teams instead of having the, the relegation structure. That is, that's bad. It's, it, it's pretty bad. Do you, do you think when Real Madrid's president says he's sure the Champions League will not boot the Super League teams, do you buy that? I'm sorry, I cut out for a second. Say that again. When, when, when the president of Real Madrid says he's sure Champions League would not boot the Super League teams, do you buy that? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, we're playing a big game of chicken right now. Um, yeah. With you know, the Champions League structure with um, you know, the league, like the Premier League, you know, there, 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 people in charge of the Premier League initially basically coming out and saying, you know, we'll, uh, 
you're not allowed to play here. And, and it's easy to see why, because they, they want to keep playing in the Premier League and making Premier League money, but they wouldn't actually be playing for anything. They don't care about the, the Premier League title. It doesn't get them a spot in the Champions League. They're already in the Super League. So it's a, it's a messy thing, especially for La Liga, though. Um, well, and the Premier League, honestly. like they, the, the value they stand to lose. And I think that was Perez's point with Real Madrid. The value they stand to lose by kicking these teams out as good as they would feel to basically say, no, take your ball, go away, we're going to build something great here. <laughs> the amount of television revenue that you would lose in the process, that's going to give them massive, massive pause. So he's probably right about that one. Uh, last one for you, Bill, because you do a lot of statistical stuff in soccer too. Comparing soccer to football, which one is easier to find the stats that actually correlate to winning? Ha. Huh. Um, well, I mean, I could pretty, like, you can still draw a pretty strong correlation between just plain old shots, uh, shot attempts and whatnot in soccer. Uh, but, you know, obviously you can go pretty far down the analytical road. I, I will say that. I mean, with football, yards are kind of misleading. Um, yards per play can almost be misleading as well. But with, with soccer, you know, while we've all seen the, the crazy results where, you know, you lose one nil, you take 30 shots to your opponent's one, and you lose – Still doesn't happen very often. Usually the team with the most shots wins the game. Well, he is Bill Connolly from ESPN. Bill, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Bill. Absolutely. Oh, man. Good stuff. Coming up next, more Super League talk because Real Madrid's president. I don't know. Sometimes he's an idiot. Sometimes he seems smart. We're checking in on the latest news from PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Joining us now is Luke Perdandy. And uh, Luke, I know you guys tweeted a few days ago about a Golden Knights ticket you guys have, our team out here in Vegas. So I'm, I'm curious, do you guys have a lot of good value tickets on the Golden Knights? Yeah, I mean, they're... <laughs> We've, uh, we certainly had our story, of course, from uh, you know the 2017 run. Um, but, yeah, they continue to be an extremely popular team in hockey. I think uh, the world has now finally taken notice of Vegas. Um, so, yes, we continue to sell. I'd probably say that's our you – know, the Boston Bruins always just get a ton of love, good team, big big presence up in New England. Um, so I would say Boston Bruins, and then honestly the Vegas Golden Knights being the second most popular NHL team uh, and then third would be the Colorado Avalanche, uh, obviously McKinnon, and um, they've looked incredible this year. So, uh, but yeah, hockey is growing, and, and I think we'll continue to be extremely popular on top up. Luke, a uh, couple things on, on baseball, because we have teams like the Yankees who are underperforming, obviously, uh, already five back, five and ten. Then you have kind of teams that people expect to come back, uh, obviously the fact that a team like the Reds are playing well. So, do you see anyone ditching Yankee tickets or trying to find Reds tickets? Yeah, Cincinnati Reds have been definitely popular. Obviously, horrendous, and uh, that division is now certainly up for grabs. And the Cincinnati Reds uh, have as good a chance as anyone. Obviously, the Cy Young candidate up in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Brewers, and Corbin Burns is his name. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, the Cardinals are always the contender in the NL Central. Uh, I'd say the most popular team is the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. We have a 12 to 1 ticket up right now uh, on the Braves. The Blues are on $500 sale price. Um, but 12 to 1 on the Braves is the best price in America. They're 10 to 1 in, in tons of bucks right now um, on them to win the World Series. What about the Yankees? Are people ditching them? People have been ditching them, yeah. Um, 
you know, the odds were just so low to start the season on the Yankees to begin with that they paid such a premium that it's kind of just hurting, you know, people. But man, like I bought the Yankees at three to one, and now the odds are eight to one. Like I'm, I'm getting half my money back. Uh, I do think they turn it around, but boy, have they stunk, uh, you know, here in the first month of the season. But um, yeah, it's obviously prop stop is the only place in the country that allows you to get your money back on a Yankees ticket. So uh, more people should be taking advantage. <laughs> well, he is Luke Perk Dandy from PropSwap.com. Luke, as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, guys. Have, have a good week. Take care. Sell your Yankees tickets. They're terrible. Um, okay. So we were going to go into the Super League, but I have way more than two minutes worth of thoughts on that. So instead, well, why wouldn't why wouldn't you? Well, of course. So Jeez. instead, oh, um, over the weekend, I watched Moneyball for the first time. Oh, well, let's um, get into that because it's a lot better than soccer. But go ahead. What do you think? I have on, way more than two minutes worth of questions. Yes, on, exactly. On uh, on the suggestions of YouTube. Um, so I mean, in general, Moneyball is a fine movie. I do have two problems with it. Well, only two. Number one, the movie just completely ignored the Oakland A's five best players. Like, that Oakland A's team had a legitimate, awesome top three starting pitchers in Barry Zito, Tim Hudson, and Mark Mulder. And the movie just pretended like those guys didn't exist. They also pretended like the two best hitters on the team, Miguel Tejada and Eric Chavez, didn't exist. Like, the reason the Oakland A's were good isn't because... Scott Hatterberg had a renaissance season. It's because they had five really good players on really cheap contracts. I think all five were on their first like legitimate major league contract at the time. So that's problem number one. Problem number two that I have is that the climax, the crowning achievement of the movie is that the Oakland A's won 20 straight games, which is cool and all. But the movie's all about analytics and how they're using analytics to win games. And even earlier when they're struggling in the season, they say it's too small of a sample size to judge. But the crowning achievement is something that's a statistical anomaly, like winning 20 straight baseball games. Ridiculous. That's not the ending. The ending is uh, him. I didn't say the ending. I said the climax. The the climax is them winning the 20th game on a Scott Hatterberg walk-off home run. That's the climax. And then the come down is him uh, rejecting the Red Sox offer of twelve and a half million dollars. Oh man, I, th- this is what this is what you come up with. This is what you come up with instead of the great scene with Jonah Hill uh, under the elevator in the garage. Uh, tell him, Wash, it's extremely difficult. 